This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I am here with Carolina, who is going to share her story with us today. Welcome, Carolina. How are you? Thank you, Annie. I just want to say what an honor it is to be here. Um, you know, your work just transformed my life, and I'm so excited to share my story. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm so glad that you're here. It's awesome. So why don't you take us all the way sort of back to the beginning for you? Like, where, where did it all kind of start? Yeah, sure. So I think I started regularly drinking um, around my senior year in high school. Um, I definitely tried alcohol maybe before that, but that's when it really became kind of a, a regular constant in my life. Um, and I grew up really shy and pretty introverted. And so when I found alcohol, it was almost as part of my identity that I felt like I could never have expressed before. Um, in high school, I had a few friends, but I wasn't, you know, a gregarious kind of person. And um, I started going out with my friends to parties, and I just found that I could be this completely different person with alcohol. I could make friends easily. Um, it really helped to kind of build up my self-esteem. And that's kind of when it started to be like a regular in my life. Um, and then I went to college. I went to UCLA, which was kind of a bit of a party school. Um, and there I really um, kind of honed in on this kind of party lifestyle. I was still, you know, very much an introvert. And so I needed um, a bit of solitude and a bit of me time. And so I found myself, you know, during the day being on my own and reading and studying. And then, you know, humans still need connection. So I would use alcohol as that solution to go out um, at night and make new friends that way and, and talk to people and be more sociable in that sense. Um, and throughout college, I kind of started um, gravitating towards like a crowd that really, really liked to party. Um, and it started becoming, you know, a, a really constant kind of thing for my every single weekend. Um, and then by the time I graduated, I was 22, and I just had absolutely no idea how to be an adult. <laughs> um, I, I graduated around the time of the recession, and I just wasn't sure what to do for a job. I went to grad school right away because um, I just didn't really have any idea. I just got out of a really um, tough breakup. And so I just never formed any kind of like healthy coping skills. And so along with, you know, going out a lot and stuff, I started to really um, bring the drinking home too, and just, just didn't have any other kind of healthy coping skills to go through this kind of period of transition and, and being kind of on my own. Yeah. Um, I would actually say that I was drinking the most I ever have in my life around 22, 23, and kind of really veering towards that problem drinking territory. Um, but luckily, uh, a confluence of events happened around 24 um, that really kind of pulled me back into like the next phase of my life that I'll call the, the moderation illusion. And um, I met my husband. Now he, he's my husband. Um, and he was, uh, he liked to drink too, but he just didn't drink as much as I did. So that really kind of toned it down. Um, of course, I would only drink when I was with him. I wouldn't drink alone. I just wanted to, you know, portray myself as a very kind of normal person to him. Um, I also started in my career. And so, you know, no longer was I okay with waking up after drinking a lot the night before. So I really kind of pushed all my drinking to the weekend to try to keep my weeknight pretty um, clear of that. And then I also noticed that all that partying I did, um, I had gained quite a bit of weight. 
and uh, I was a ballerina in high school, so I had a pretty small frame, and I gained about 30 pounds within a few years, um, so it was quite a noticeable uh, change, and so, you know, those three things kind of really pushed me back and, and really um, forced me to kind of create some more boundaries around drinking. So I really, again, I pushed it only to drink around the weekend. I did it a lot more responsibly. Um, I'd stop going out to bars. I stopped drinking really much liquor. I, I stuck to just like beer and wine. And again, for the next like seven years, I kind of just, um, I felt like my drinking was pretty normal compared to everyone around me. You know, maybe some game nights with friends, maybe like a family um, dinner party, had some drinks there, you know, on a Friday night, drinking some wine at home with a movie. Um, and I, so I didn't really see myself as this, this problem drinker anymore, but because I kind of knew what that looked like, um, that, although it's great to have these like boundaries, it also created so much agony in my life, right? Cause I was, I was constantly kind of letting myself down and specifically, um, two things inevitably would happen quite a lot. One is I would either drink way more than I wanted to at some kind of social gathering um, and I never set out to do that. I never set out to get drunk. I always said, I'm going to pace myself. I got to drink water. You know, my niece is here. I got <laughs> I got to keep a lid on it. Um, and, you know, I'm at some social gathering that lasts like five, six hours. And, you know, inevitably I have maybe one drink per hour. And by the end of it, you know, it's just a mess. And I wake up the next morning just with that pit of regret and just feeling like, who did I become? Who was that person? You know, having to ask even my husband what I said or how we left or, you know, just stuff that made me feel sick to my core of, of who I was. Um, and then another thing that always happened that was a lot more regular was that since I drank mostly on the weekend, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, and maybe Thursday as well, by the time Monday came around, I just I felt like death. Mm -hmm. I was so depressed. I... I wasn't even necessarily physically ill hungover, but like my body felt like it had taken such a toll. Um, I felt just like weary and just hurt both mentally and physically. And I felt like I was here every Monday, every single Monday. And then so I would, I would get really adamant to, you know, stick to, you know, more rules, put some more healthy activities in my life. Um, you know, no more than two drinks, no more than three drinks ever, no more than seven drinks a week. And yet, no matter what, I still found myself on these Monday mornings just hating myself. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, over time, I still became, you know, more and more health conscious. Um, I started trying to, like, eat, you know, nine servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I would um, put turmeric on my oatmeal. I, I really strove to be a healthy person. And I think in a, in a funny way that that kind of drive to be healthy was for me to try to kind of combat the fact that I was a drinker and the fact that I drank above the health guidelines. Like I kind of knew in my intuition at my core that I w what I was doing was destroying my health like on a cellular level. And so I tried to kind of nullify that with this very, very healthy lifestyle. Um, of course, now there's that term for it, you know, detox just to retox every weekend. Um, and that's another way I felt just like crap on Monday is here I was doing all these things to be a more, you know, healthy person during the week, working out, you know, going to yoga, eating well, and then every weekend, literally destroying my health. <laughs> so do you think it was pretty subconscious? Like, were you not really aware that that was 
maybe that you were trying to be so healthy in order to combat that. And that's an interesting term. I'd never actually heard that before. That's really interesting. Yeah, I've done, I mean, of course, a lot of reflection now, and now I can really see that I was doing that. But I think I was ultimately scared that, you know, I I wasn't going to live a long life or a long quality of life because of my lifestyle. And I would, I was willing to do anything I could to combat that, except, you know, the drinking. I mean, I was trying to limit it, but, you know, how successful that can be sometimes. Right. Um, And I also tried to be way more soul conscious too. So I was, I was looking for something to kind of fix me, to kind of make me someone who didn't want to drink when I wanted to drink. Um, So I really looked to yoga. I started meditating a lot. Um, I even went to India and I was hoping I'd have like a spiritual awakening there. Um, And, you know, India is kind of a dry country. So I was like, oh, perfect. I won't even be able to drink. Um, And none of that really worked. Like, of course, it was really good to be more introspective and really reflective. But I wasn't doing any work to actually (laughs) um, curb the drinking. And it's funny, even in India, I mean, whenever we went to a hotel that had a bar for tourists, I was like, oh, my God, yay, (laughs) there's beer here. So what a great kind of spiritual awakening that was. Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, even in India. And so, because drinking, I have never been, but I've heard it's like not really the biggest thing. It's mostly just tourists. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting. So then um, what, what happened from there? Yeah. And so around um, 2017, you know, again, I just, I ha- I felt this like really deep intuitive kind of pull to limit my drinking. I, I understood that I kind of got away with it when I was younger, but this kind of lifestyle isn't going to fly anymore um, much longer. And I, I felt really bad after every time I drank. I mean, I couldn't have more than two drinks and not have a slight hangover the next day. I think especially when you don't drink as often, if you, you, know, you don't drink during the week, and then the first time you do have a few drinks, like the headaches I would get were intense and even yeah. like two craft beers would make me feel so horrible the next day and just ruin my sleep. Um, and I just couldn't ignore that anymore. Um, and so in 2017, I, I made this New Year's resolution that I was going to take one week off um, of drinking every month. Um, mm-hmm. And that was both really positive and had also a negative drawback. And the positive was that, you know, here I was forcing myself to learn how to drink, not to drink during the weekend, to to, to do alternative activities and just kind of really be able to sit with myself because that was unheard of before. I drank every weekend before. That is what the weekend was made for. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then, so, I mean, in, in that way, it was like a great experience that I, I had myself do that. But at the same time, I would choose the weekend to not drink when I didn't have like a social occasion <laughs> just to make sure I wouldn't actually have to learn how to like say I'm not drinking or like socialize without alcohol. Um, And at the same time too, like the first seven days without drinking are always the worst. So I was basically like putting myself through that every month without like getting the really amazing benefits that happen more longer term. And when did you start to realize that or did you not start to realize it until much later when you- No, I didn't have until much later. I mean, then it just seemed like a very kind of hard thing to do, very typical with that feeling of deprivation, with um, that feeling of, you know, being singled out. Um, And I felt very alone and isolated. I hadn't told anyone about all these deep insecurities I had about my drinking. 
I didn't, you know, I felt such shame anytime I drank more than I wanted to. Um, I felt like, of course, I was the only one who struggled with this. I actually thought I was the only one who woke up at like 3 a.m., you know, with a racing heart. I, I didn't like know that that's a phenomenon that was happening to all these other people. So it's so funny that it's almost kind of naive that we believe we're the only ones experiencing that. But to me, I mean, when I, when I considered myself, you know, really grappling with my relationship with alcohol, I mean, that scared me. Like to me, it was like, well, what did that mean? What, what was that kind of, some kind of defect I have? You know, am I going to have to quit and go to AA? Um, and that all really scared me. And I just never identified with that either because I mean, with all the boundaries I had around my drinking, I typically didn't have maybe more than three or four drinks for the most part for most occasions, you know, and I drank maybe three or four days a week. So definitely above the health guidelines, but I just didn't see myself in that like stereotypical um, problem, problem drinking territory. And I had a, I mean, I'm a Leo, I had a lot of pride and I, I feel a lot of loyalty. So, you know, the pride piece was like, I had a great life, you know, I had my I had a husband, I um, got my MBA, I had a great career, you know, I felt like I had, I had everything kind of put together well on paper. Um, and then the loyalty part too, like I had crafted this identity of myself um, as like someone who likes to go to wineries and breweries and, um, and was always down for a drink. And I, I, I hated the idea of kind of being wishy-washy on that. So all those things kept me incredibly stuck. Um, and it, it wasn't until uh, I heard a dry January that I finally kind of had this excuse, I think, to finally try on um, an alcohol-free life without that kind of stigma attached to it and that shame attached to it. So in 2018, I did dry January. And I did it kind of on my own. I wasn't really plugged into any of the alcohol-free um, groups or anything like that. But even on my own, like it was a huge journey of self-discovery. Um, I found myself more interested in hobbies that I hadn't done in a long time. I was, you know, playing board games with my husband. I was going on bike rides, more hikes. I was doing a lot of hiking. Um, and then when it was February, um, basically, I, I didn't really look forward to go back to drinking anymore. I really enjoyed all the, you know, all the deep sleep I was having. I loved getting rid of that, like, feeling of shame and that that internal critic that was always hampering on me of not being good enough with my drinking and stuff. Um, but I basically didn't think I was allowed to, to quit drinking. So I went back to it in February, almost with this mentality that, you know, that's just what adults have to do. We have to be a drinker or else what is, what does that mean? You know? Um, yeah, that's I, so interesting. I mean, like just how you put it in those words, I didn't think I was allowed to quit drinking. I'm actually taking a note because I'm like, wow, that's, so, so true. I've just never articulated it before, but I, I really resonate with that. Yeah. Um, and then I did drink a few times in February and with that kind of direct experience and all of that kind of um, self-reflection work that I'd already done, I couldn't ignore the effects. I mean, most of the time in February, I had two drinks at most and yet like it completely ruined my sleep. I would become really frustrated like 30 minutes after I had a drink and cranky and just like completely lose that sense of like gratitude and appreciation that I had been building. And like, I, I, I was like, wow, like this is that effect of alcohol. This is what it makes me feel like this sucks. This isn't fun. Um, and so basically I decided after that to do another 30 day kind of challenge. Um, and this time around, this is when I really plugged into 
kind of alcohol-free movement. Um, and I bought your book, This Naked Mind, and I signed up for that alcohol-free experiment. Um, and, and it just kind of went off from there. By the time I finished 30 days, I wanted to keep going. Um, I just, I was falling in love with all these boundaries I was pushing in my life. You know, I really, I really felt the surge of positive feelings um, with, you know, my neurotransmitters like rebalancing. I really found myself um, using that tool of picturing the alternative of what all these occasions would look like for me if I did decide to drink. And there was just such a freedom from that craving that would have inevitably taken over me and that agony of wanting another drink, but not wanting another drink because, you know, you got to be healthy and you got to, you know, be normal or whatnot. Um, and so I just kept pushing my challenge to, you know, 30 days, 60 days. I was at 70 days. Um, and then I went to, to, to Japan and I had bought the vacation much prior to, you know, my experiment. And um, I was going to give my permission, myself permission to drink if I wanted to. Um, but once I got there, I just knew, like, I had never experienced these, this laughter and this, like, joy and meaning and freedom in years. I felt so happy and I felt like I could really appreciate my surroundings in a way that I never had before. And I just knew, like, in Japan that the moment I have a drink, I'm going to feel extremely disappointed I'm going to have to, you know, restart my clock. I'm going to completely like lose that sense of appreciation and gratitude for these beautiful sights around me. And how do I want to experience a country like that? Like I want to be present and I want to be filled with awe and I want to be, you know, being there as myself and not doing the old version of me that, you know, wasn't really fulfilling me anyway. So I decided there not to drink. Um, I had an incredible vacation That's by the nice. time I got home, I decided to um, do a year off alcohol, and then very shortly after that, I decided I'm not going back. This life is too good. No, that's so cool. That's great. Yeah. So how have, how's like your partner or your husband reacted, and what about your friends and stuff like that? It's actually been surprisingly positive. Um, my husband was very supportive. Um, since I wasn't really in any kind of I wasn't like drinking, you know, in the morning or, or, you know, doing anything that was super dangerous. So he'd never really had that sense of like, oh, good, you needed to stop, you know, so it was a little bit of a, a shock, a difference. Um, but he, he actually did his own 60 day challenge recently, because I think, you know, I've been hyping up this lifestyle to him, and he really wanted to see kind of what it was like and, um, and learn more. And so he, he did his own 60 days. And and that's great. And I think we're just so much more connected than we ever have been before. He'll drink occasionally, but I can also see that he's, he's really cut back too. And I think we're growing together in ways that that wasn't really possible before. Because um, quite frankly, I feel like I'm finally comfortable in my skin. And um, I guess like before that wasn't true because I was always looking for something outside of me to make me feel comfortable. And I've learned that it's all within and I've learned how to deal with my own emotions and my own feelings and my own insecurities in much healthier ways um, than looking for a drink. And I never would have related to terms like that before. I was like, I would have never thought that I was drinking away my sadness or my insecurities, but you know, in a very subtle kind of subconscious ways, that's, that's what you do when you reach for a drink, when you're socializing or on a Friday, because you need to relax because it's the only thing that you think will help you. Yeah, so true. You don't really put it into words. It's not like, I think it is a big, huge self-discovery thing. You're like, huh, 
all of these things I did, all of these emotions I felt, here they are. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so how else, how else is, is life now? Yeah, so around four to five months, um, I, I just felt so passionately that I really wanted to sh start sharing my story. Um, I identified, again, as a gray area drinker, and I just saw quitting as this, this catapult into this kind of like territory of people that I just didn't want, like I didn't at back then want to identify with. And I really saw like sober life as this grim choice before, you know, I, I dabbled into this lifestyle. And yet here, like the one word that I can use to describe, you know, my experience is just pure joy. I mean, I was so much happier in so many different ways from the well-being I felt to the, re you know, the rebuilding of my self-esteem um, to just the like gratitude and awe that I could feel with the world around me. Um, so I started my own blog. Um, it's called Euphoric to kind of share my story and really to share that, celebrate the lifestyle because it really is the most beautiful, transformative thing. It shouldn't have to have any stigma around it. People shouldn't be afraid to choose it. Um, and it doesn't mean anything about anyone other than the fact that they don't want to settle for hangovers anymore. Um, I also started a podcast with um, a dear friend that I met from the alcohol-free community. Um, her name's Danielle, and she was actually on your podcast back in July. Wait, so, yeah, I remember Danielle. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, so we started a podcast called Euphoric the Podcast, and we just go over topics about alcohol-free living and, again, just how much joy we've both found. Um, and I also, right now, am launching a business and writing a book. Yay. Um, yeah, and... All of this, you know, all of this is the transformation from this one decision I made. Um, before, I just had all these self-limiting beliefs about myself, like I couldn't write, I couldn't launch a business, I, you know, couldn't socialize without a drink, I couldn't be public about my story, you know, all these things that really held me back. Um, and once I quit drinking, like the floodgates just opened. Like if I could do that, you know, it's time to smash all these other self-limiting beliefs. Um, I'm also training for a half marathon, and that's another one. I never thought I could be a runner. <laughs> I thought I hated running. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I think you're absolutely right. Like, you do this one thing, and you're like, wait a second, this is amazing. And then all of these other dominoes, like, grabbed it before, like, the one big domino, like, I'll call it this one big domino. And then once you knock it down, like, all these other things that you've been trying to knock down in your life, trying to get better at, whether it's been you know, who knows, exercising, eating right, running a marathon, launching a business, writing a book, all of these things start to happen. But we're trying to do them without this big thing that was like kind of, it, it was really counterproductive. Oh, yeah. And like, I always had these big goals and dreams for myself, but I didn't even make the smallest like steps towards them. I just kind of was hoping that one day they would come to me without doing any kind of work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's so interesting. So um, where can people find you? Like what, what is your site name? And, and you said Euphoric Podcast? Yeah, it's called Euphoric the Podcast. And my blog is um, euphoricaf.com. And it's euphoric alcohol free. Nice. I love that. That's really cool. That is absolutely great. Um, and so I always ask this last question kind of at the end, but like if you had to go back and talk to Carolina about uh, what life is like now, kind of encourage her, tell her, you know, to, um, to stay the course or to change the course, what would you tell her? 
I would just say to keep listening to that inner voice. It's never going to lead you wrong. And your intuition is so much stronger and it's going to guide you than any kind of societal need to fit in or societal need to be normal and to just keep listening to it and discover who you are without a drink in your hand and that it's not a scary thing and it's not embarrassing. It's actually just a journey in self-discovery. That's amazing. That's so true. It really is. It's not scary. It's not embarrassing. It's not shameful. It's not, um, but you know, you have to kind of trust that it will be something different than you think because we think it's all those things and we're kind of coming into it. So that's, that's really true. Is there yeah. anything else you want to share? Yeah. Um, I'm just so happy to be part of this community. You know, I've, I've dabbled in other lifestyles before like vegan or um, hiking and stuff like that. And I've just, I've never found the kind of community that I have in the sober community. Everyone's so welcoming. We all have such different stories. We all have such kind of different perspectives and unique ways that we now find, you know, our alcohol-free lives. But it's been incredible, just the, the women and the men I've met. Um, I'm so lucky right now to be speaking to you. You're one of my heroes. I mean, this is such a cool movement. And the people in it just really make you to aspire to a new version of yourself. You know, this, this version of yourself that was content with just going to a happy hour on a Friday like that's done, you know, you're not missing out. Like now you're aspiring to, you know, reach all these goals for yourself and launch that business and write that book, you know, because everyone around you is finally, you know, reaching for their big goals too. That's so awesome. Yeah, I love that. I think that I've heard it said that um, a pretty common saying that you're sort of the sum of the people you spend the most time with. And I think that's absolutely true. And it really carries on kind of into, into everything. Yeah, that's so true. Well, thank you so much, Carolina. It's been a real pleasure. I really have appreciated having you here and um, I'm really excited to share this and we'll share all your blog and everything. I got on and checked it out, looks amazing. So I just really appreciate it. I'm excited about that. Thank you. And again, it was such an honor speaking with you. I love all of your work and it's, I send so many people over to this naked mind because I love the logic-based approach. I love the destigmatization that you're doing. It's, it's really wonderful work. Oh, that's so awesome. All right. Well, have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Annie. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com and please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.